Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. When I think about what a business is, the definition, I think in terms of a profitable enterprise that works without me. Today on episode 541 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with David Jennings, the founder of Systemology. I'm going to ask David how you can tackle getting your business to work without you in small, manageable increments and much more. You can find out more about David along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Right now, digital marketing is more important than ever to keep your business going. Your clients need to know you are here to help them deal with their challenges. Our friends at SiteHub have many resources to help your audience stay aware of how you can help them. Contact SiteHub today at yoursitehub.com. That's yoursitehub.com. Now let's welcome David Jennings. David's entrepreneurial journey begins back in his early 20s when he sold Australia's most loved sporting ground, the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Since then, his business experience spans from franchising retail clothing stores to founding one of Australia's most trusted digital agencies, MelbourneSEOServices.com. In 2016, David successfully systemized himself out of the business, hired a CEO, and stepped back from the daily operations. Through this process, he became a systems devotee, founding System Hub and Systemology. Today, David's mission is to free all business owners worldwide from the daily operations of running their business. Recognized as a high-achieving entrepreneur, you'll find many of David's keynote presentations on YouTube, including TEDx, WorldCamp, and ProBlogger. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this uh, episode. Me too. So congratulations, David, on systematizing yourself out of your business. How did it feel before you had done that, before you systematized yourself out of the business? Mm -hmm. The biggest thing was overwhelm. That's really what drove me to go, right, I have to solve this problem. It was just like a spinning plates. I had a small team of 15 uh, working with a range of different clients, and you would just jump from one task to the next, putting out whatever fire felt like it was most pressing, and um, yeah, that was probably the the biggest feeling. And the workload was huge. I think a lot of business owners probably feel the same where you work the 60, 70 hour work weeks, you're working in the early mornings, evenings, on the weekend, and uh, you kind of move away from what you really thought you would achieve by setting up your own business. You think you're going to get freedom, but really you end up locking yourself into this machine that you've created where you're the center cog. Yeah, I've had so many people say to me, I question whether I really own a business or or whether my business owns me. And then the other thing they say is, I question whether I own a business or whether I just have a glorified job that doesn't pay all that well. Yeah, it definitely, when I think about what a business is, like the definition, I think in terms of a, a profitable enterprise that works without me. And if you can't build the business so that you can step out, then yeah, I, I think it is a glorified job. You've just, um, oftentimes it happens as well because when people start a business, they they think they can do the technical work. I mean, this is classic e-myth stuff. Michael Gerber talks about the entrepreneurial myth and he says, you know, people start off 
maybe a hairdressing salon thinking, well, I can cut hair, therefore I can run a hairdressing business. But it actually requires many different skills to run a business and cutting hair is just you know, one of them, if not even necessarily required, there are other things like sales and marketing and finance and HR and management, all of these other areas uh, that don't have to do with doing the technical work. And if you get stuck doing the technical work, then that that's another huge problem because you don't have time to do all the other things that need to be done. David, do you think it's better to start the business without actually working in the business to just start working on the business and and always from day one have this attitude of I'm going to bring on team members who will run the business? It's a real interesting one because I feel like, and it's hard to say from when I compare it to my own journey, I, I would say the first business that you start, it's probably best to really immerse yourself in it, do the technical work, do all of the pieces, because that's really how you learn and you get strong. But there needs to be a point where a line is drawn in the sand. And to step out from the daily operations, you've really got to try and do things, two things. It's you either have to break some of those old habits. And that's the hardest thing because once you start working in the business, it's very hard to step and work out of the business. But if you approach it as a business owner, I think if you do start up a business that you can't do the technical work, maybe it's your second business or you, you know your third business, um, not doing the technical work is incredibly powerful for building a business. One of the businesses that I ran, and really it was one of the ones that enabled me to step out of the operations. Um, we, We had the digital agency and I had to set up a side business, which was Melbourne Video Production, because a lot of clients were asking us for um, content marketing and things like that. And they wanted us to generate content. And so we said, okay, well, let's do some video. But I couldn't turn on a video camera um, I, I could probably turn it on, but I, I couldn't shoot, I couldn't edit, I couldn't do any of that technical work. It didn't necessarily interest me. So I actually ended up building that business from day one to work without me because I couldn't do the technical work. And that the insight that I got from that business, that was the game changer. That was all of the ideas where I developed this idea of building a business without the business owner at the center of it. I took all those ideas and then deployed it and moved it across to the digital agency. But I wouldn't have had that insight if I hadn't built that Melbourne video production business, which was just exactly like you suggested. So my my thesis there is mixed because I'm not sure. I mean, I learned so much by working in it, but I also got trapped in the digital agency for about over 10 years before I broke free. And the reason I got trapped and I kept on hitting the glass ceiling was because I could do the technical work because the team started to rely on me and it kept on dragging me back in. So (laughs) a a long answer to your question, because I think it's a tough one because I kind of headed down one journey and and now I'm not so sure. I'll probably have to think a little bit more on that. But I mean, if I had to say, I would say, yeah, you, you probably are better not doing the technical work. Yeah. The other thing that strikes me when you're working 60, 70 or more hours per week in your business and you realize that the way you're doing this needs to change, especially if making the change means you have to start using some new skills. Aren't you at first adding on another layer of work before you're able to shift out of the current habits? 
Yeah, there's a couple of things there. Firstly, you're right. All of the skills that developed that you've developed as the business owner to get the business to where it is today and achieve the level of success, the traction, get the results for the clients. All of that has been built off the back of you being that center cog and delivering and problem solving. And whenever there's an issue, your team comes to you or you, you speak to the client. So you've reinforced all of these skills and a dependency on you. And that's okay to get to the first level, but the the hardest bit now is to actually break that and move into a a new way of thinking where you start to empower the team members and you put other people to have responsibility and you move you know roles to individuals and and the managing of clients and the way that that whole transition works that is the hardest piece because it requires that different skill level and I think that's why I've always felt that they work with small business systems and the thinking and a lot of the content that's out there to date um, doesn't address this very well. A lot of the small um, business system stuff or, or systems thinking really, a lot of it addresses things like Lean and Six Sigma and they're all for larger companies and manufacturing and 100 person plus teams and it just doesn't translate down to the small business. And for that reason, there are a bunch of different misconceptions around what it takes to systemize a business. One of which is that it's going to take a truckload of work and time. Another one is that the business owner needs to be the one that creates these systems. And that's where I kind of have, have been doing most of my work and trying to test some of those assumptions. There are some ways to uh, reduce the workload because there is a good chance that inside your team, the knowledge already exists, uh, whether it's in the business owner or other team members. So the real, one of the secrets to making systemology work is to understand that systemization is a two-person job. You've got the person with the knowledge, and then you've got the person who does the documentation or creates the system. So you want to make it as easy as possible for you as the business owner and the team members by just recording what you're doing as you're doing it. That's just step one. Then step number two is, yeah, you get someone else to then watch those videos and tease out the um, key steps and start to turn it into version one of your documentation. So it's because that is the, the biggest challenge. The business owner is busy. They recognize that systems are important, but they're not urgent. So they never get around to them because they, they're already quite busy and full. So, but the Part of what's trapped the business owner in the business anyway is thinking that they need to be the one that does everything in the business. So it's also that's it's doing it the way that I'm talking about is a great way to try and break that pattern right from the get-go to go, okay, well, you know, there's nothing to say that the first system that the team creates isn't just version one and we keep iterating and getting better from there and, and don't try and get perfection right out of the gate. Get some average systems that the team follow consistently, uh, that's a better result than having no systems in place and having everybody do things their own way. Right. So small steps. Yes, that's the key. Yeah. And yeah. make it easy. That's I think a lot of people as well, they look to something, when they hear about business systems and systemizing business, they think about McDonald's. That's oftentimes the first business that comes to mind. And they go, oh, I should systemize like McDonald's. Uh, but you can't systemize like McDonald's. McDonald's has been systemizing for the past 60 years. And, uh, you know, it's like 
they are an Olympic athlete who is a lean, mean system machine, and they have finally tuned everything. And businesses think that, oh, I'm going to start doing systems. They look to the Olympic athlete and they try and systemize like that. Whereas what you need to think is how did McDonald's get started 60 years ago? You think about when they were still figuring things out and that's where you need to start. So yeah, most definitely make it easy on on yourself and your team. Hmm. So David, what what are some of these steps besides recording and, and having somebody else document? What are some of the steps to make it easy to get started in creating these systems? Well, the first one uh, is all about uh, simplifying the number of systems that you think you need to create. So we have a process, um, it's the first step in systemology that we call uh, design the critical client flow. And you think, how can the business deliver the core product or service without the business owner involved? So you think about that customer journey and what the team needs to do to deliver your product and service. So if you just get an A4 bit of paper, something someone listening to this right now could do this. You get an A4 bit of paper at the top of the, the paper, um, just think about how do you find or how do the customers become aware of your product or service and move down the page and then think, right, once the inquiry comes in, what do you do? How do you answer the phone? How do you respond via email? Okay, then next step down, what does your sales process look like? How do you take someone from being an interested prospect through to a client? Then how do you onboard them? How do you send them the welcome or, or the emails or let them know what's going to happen to set the expectation? How do you then deliver your product or service just at a high level? Just do this all on one page. Just do bullet points, almost like a flow chart, and then think about how you then deliver the product and get them to come back. If you just map that out on a bit of paper, how do they find you? How do you answer? How do you sell? How do you onboard? How do you deliver and how do you get them to come back? Just by going through that process, you will identify the top 10 to 12 systems that if you just start there, that gives you a huge win because now you're not systemizing things that won't impact the bottom line and you're making it so that at least the core product or service can be delivered without the business owners. That's always where I suggest you get started. Mm. And does this matter what kind of business you're in? No, look, every business has a critical client flow in it. I've been involved in a few different businesses. We used to own a, a rock and roll clothing music store, of all things. And I know you're based up in the States, so you might be familiar with a store called Hot Topic. We were trying to build a, a Hot Topic over here in Australia and um, sort of move it through some shopping centers. And long story short, even that business has a critical client flow. We needed to do things to get people into the store. Uh, once they were in the store, uh, then what we would do is we'd uh, encourage them to get into the change room because uh, then they could try on uh, the clothes and they'd be one step to making a buying decision. Then we'd get them up to the front desk. Then we would think about what else could we upsell them, whether it was a sticker, a patch, a badge, a button. Uh, then we would make the sale and do the transaction. And then towards the end, we would make sure um, we'd grab their name and email address to get them onto our database so we could get them to come back. So whether it's a physical retail clothing store or an online e-commerce store or a, a service-based business, the customer always has, and the, the business, has a journey that has to be gone through. And it's a, a linear uh, process and you want to map that out. So I suppose the short answer is yes, every business uh, can be systemized. David, what, what's an example of one that people might think is a little extraordinary of, a, of an example of something that 
can be systemized where you've actually gone through this? So there's a company in Australia called Portavac and they clean roofing gutters. So they're tradespeople and they've got these big vacuums where they suck out all the rubbish out of people's gutters just to make sure that the water flows freely, you know, get rid of leaves and things like that. And we started doing some work with them and some of the business you would think, oh, that would be nice and easy to systemize, you know, at head office, the way that they take a phone call and inquiry and how they book it into the booking system to get the tradespeople to go out. But you might not, you might wonder, well, how are you going to create some systems around out in the field? And we ended up getting one of the junior apprentices to head out in the field with one of the more senior team members. And he took a GoPro and he put a GoPro on and he followed that team member around for the entire day when he interacted with customers, how he charged cards, how he wrote up reports, how he prepared the equipment, how he did all of his safety checks to make sure when he hopped on a roof and he recorded all of that footage. Then that footage came back. Um, we, we chopped it up into pieces and then they became individual systems. Those videos then got watched. We pulled out some of the key steps. It then got sent back to the the knowledgeable team member. Um, they helped with, you know, a little bit of feedback to shape it a little bit closer to, you know, if, if steps were missed or it wasn't quite covered as they did it. And then the result was a set of systems in the trade space where you'd find, you know, it'd probably be next to impossible to try and get a tradie to sit down and write systems and processes. Yet now we had some great videos along with uh, some documentation. And I mean, we've done this in so many different niches, everything from accounting businesses to there's a, a dog food company. Actually, there's a company I did who, Diggity Doggity Daycare, they, um, Jeanette, she systemized her business. It was a doggy daycare, you know, one of those places you go and you leave your dog for the day and you go off to work and they have, um, you know, look after your dog and wash it and take it for a walk. And uh, they systemized their operations. They did it, they worked with us over the course of a couple of years um, and they actually got the business to a point where it was saleable. The business was working without the business owner. Uh, the numbers were really rock solid. They ended up selling to a very large corporate for a high multiple. And the two things that they cited were financial performance and the systems. That's why they were acquired because the, the corporate basically said, look, you've done all the hard work for us and we now want, want to roll this out nationally. So. It works in all businesses. You you grow a business to a certain size, you get some traction, and then the next step is to systemize and take the business owner out of it. David, given how many people in the world are work in small businesses, I know that it, that the core education that is taught worldwide, there's certain fundamentals, math, reading, etc. As you're going through this, I'm wondering Maybe this is something that should be taught in high school worldwide or yes, or earlier. Yes, yes. from yeah, <laughs> look I would think that is probably one of the most as a business owner, one of the most important skills to have is an understanding of systems thinking. Um and I even think it translates across across into life because your life and business is made up of a collection of systems. Whether you're aware of the systems or not, you're still going to feel the effects. So let's say in life, a an unhealthy system would be to eat poorly and not exercise and have a bad lifestyle. Now, that's a bad system right there. And we all know what happens. What is the result of running that type of system? You're going to become unhealthy. And that's regardless of whether or not you're 
consciously aware of it or not. You can't say, oh, but I didn't know I was going to get overweight and unhealthy by that. Like, that doesn't matter. You're still going to feel the effects. It's the same in business. If your, your business is a collection of systems, if you have not enough leads, then you don't have enough lead generation systems. If you are having trouble converting leads, well, you don't have a sales process. If you're having trouble with clients and managing their expectations, there's a very good chance that you don't have an onboarding process that manages their expectations. If you're having cash flow problems, you probably have some poor systems around the way that you collect the money and the way that um, you end up reconciling and chasing up debtors and all those sorts of things. It all comes down to systems. I've, these are basic building blocks of business and life. You have to become aware of them first, figure out the age. 20, what are the most you know important 20% that give you 80% of the result, and then consciously go to work on those systems and engineer them to get the result you're after. Yeah, absolutely. So David, you know, given how important this is and how fundamental it is to both business and life, what's your dream for where you'd like your part in this to go? Yeah, well, the dream of our company is to free all business owners worldwide from the day-to-day operations of running their business. Now, to do that, we've developed a system uh, that helps to extract, organize, and optimize best practice, you know, with inside an organization, with inside a business. We've got a, a way we do that. That's what systemology is. It's a seven-step process. And um, I've just written the the book about it, and that'll be coming out in August. And my, my plan is to take that global and get that in the hands of as many business owners and their operations people as possible and and their team as well, just so they start to understand this systems thinking and this systems culture. And uh, yeah, we're we're also working to build up a team of uh, what we call systemologists because some people could implement this stuff on their own, like everything's outlined in the book exactly what to do, but then some people will need some extra help as well. So we're, we're building up a team of systemologists who can work alongside business owners to help them with this. And and I suppose to recognize that the, the business owner oftentimes is the worst person in a business to be systemizing, and that's okay. Business owners are oftentimes big picture thinkers, and they they think see a problem out there in the world, and then they go out and solve that problem, and they create a business around that, that problem. But oftentimes, they're not detail-orientated systems-driven thinkers, but that doesn't mean that they're, they're business can't be a systems business. That just means they have to find the right team members to complement them. So the business owner can do what they do great, but then they can have the team members that bring in the systems and and make the business run a bit more organized and functional and not so dependent. So that's that's really the the piece I'm working on solving um, for small business owners worldwide. Brilliant. David, if someone wants to access any of these resources that you've just described or go deeper with anything that we've discussed and and get in touch with you or your team, where would they go? Best place is just systemology.com forward slash book. And or they can jump on Amazon. Depends on when you listen to this. The book goes live uh, August 2020. And you can jump on Amazon and grab a copy of the book there. Sounds great. Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest today has been David Jennings, the founder of Systemology. Thank you again, David, for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, 
you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how you can get your business to work without you in small, manageable increments and much more. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.